The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. What did you just say, Rachel? We don't care. Welcome to issue 127 of Super Skull. It's your weekly new comic day audio digest for the week of definitely not February 8th. Nope. For sure. Nope. It's, it's absolutely for the week of February 15th, 2017. I'm your host, Nick Wybar. I'm here with Curtis Sullivan. Hello, Nick Wybar. And also, we are joined with another dude. And his was, name is... So I was going to get to that. <laughs> It's kind of my I just thing. wanted to move it right off me this and is kind go of my straight thing. to. We're also here with Marcus Schwimmer. Hello. Thank you for the enthusiastic greeting, both of you. It's uh, very good to have you here with us. It's good to have both of you here. Curtis is making just so much noise with the comic book. I got to get my shit ready on the microphone. You got it and already? I'm ready. You I'm feel ready good now. about it? I do. It's a weekly new comic day audio digest. We read every comic, more or less. Basically all the comics, every week. And we're going to tell you what the what the goodest ones is, uh-huh. and then you can only read the goodest ones. Use that Spicer English. Look, you've got limited that, time. You've got limited money. That little topical humor. That yeah, little Sean Spicer that was, ref. That was a little Sean Spicer ref. Trying to get on that little that Melissa McCarthy train. You know, if I could, yeah, if we could just get the the coat of that train. You know, you're just this is you've completely dated our podcast. Now we'll never be able to go back and listen to this, even though I did say the date a couple times at the beginning yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. I'm saying she's killing it as the Spice Man on SNL right now. It's very, very hilarious. I don't care about that. I want to know how you guys doing. How's your week been? <laughs> uh, my week's been great. How was Valentine's Day? It was very nice. I I had a, I made dinner for my lady, and we exchanged cards. And then I promptly she started to read, so I left, mm. drove to Meyer, yeah, and purchased a video game for myself. In the middle of her, as soon as you like, okay, she's been su- sufficiently romanced. Yep, I have fulfilled my romance quota. That's right. And I'm gonna go to Meyer, and I'm gonna go to Meyer and uh, get a video game. No one was there. It was rather late. Mm-hmm. No one was there, so they don't have like a call button at Meyer. Yes. What is Meyer for? Oh, some of our sh- listeners don't know what Meyer is. Yeah, Meyer is a grocery. It's it's a convenient. It's a grocery store. Fascinating. Please tell me more. <laughs> But I so they have red phones, like in what I imagine is in the bunker under it's in the, the White House. House. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it says pick up for assistance. Yeah, so I pick it up. It no one's it. ever used those phones before, but keep going. Yeah, and someone picks it. He's like, "Hello," and I was like, "Hey, I'm uh, over in the video game section. Could I have someone come open up the display case?" And they were like, "Don't be there, so, please." So, leave. so I could get th- this video game out. Mm-hmm. It was like, ugh. All right, I'll be there in a second. Audible groan. Yeah, and I was just like, and I waited at least 10, 15 minutes for this dude to show up out of nowhere in Meyer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, thanks for grabbing that. And he was like, that's my job. And then just walked off. It was the worst customer service I think I've ever had in my entire life. Is he, is he looking for work? <laughs> he might be looking for work. Because we're hiring. We're hiring, Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, saying that post that on a missed opportunity type situation. Yeah. I'm gonna post a mixed connection about your interaction with this random dude. His name was Thomas. And His name. Oh, you are calling. You are putting Thomas on blast right now. Yeah, Thomas at Meyer. You are bad at your job. 
<laughs> and I was just trying to fucking buy a $60 video game, and you made the whole experience dog shit. All Classic right. Meyer. I'm not going to lie. Classic Meyer. See, and if you have no context for what that means or what a Meyer is, just be- trust it's us. It's a big ass say. store. Just trust us yeah. when we say that's classic. I always Meyer. give Nick a hard time because he shops at high end grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, must be nice to shop at your high end grocery stores. But after my experience yesterday, you're making the switch. Well, you're only going to buy your video games at at farm to table organic high class <laughs> grocery right. stores. At the high end grocery stores I shop at, they will they will. Push me around in a wheelchair throughout the entire shopping experience if I asked them to. Yeah. And they did once. Really? It was, I'm saying. You, I got a switch. But can switch. I buy, can I buy uh, the cheapest tequila, a video game, and a mattress cover all at your, your place? No, you can get some tea. And you can get some very expensive guacamole. Get some kombucha. You can get some kombucha. Nice. And you can buy some um, cheap ass lobster. Some tails. like herbal painkillers that don't work. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Wow. So this is what we spent our entire opening talking about. So that's pretty Sorry, cool. I was just rattled about my bad customer service. How would you have done it if it was you? Hold on a second. Yep. Hold on. I'm picking up. Oh, where's that red phone? I really need this video game. Hold on a second. Bring, bring, bring. Hi. This is Marcus at Meyer. How may I help you? Hey, Marcus. This is also Marcus. I, I'm over in the video game department, and I, there's nobody here to get my video game for me. I'm so sorry about that great name, my by the way. My girlfriend might find out that I'm missing <laughs> soon. Yeah, no problem. I, you know, I've been there before. I'm going to give you a hand getting that video game. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. That's customer service, bitches. That's good. Oh, that's it? That was the end of the that experience? Was, well, then I would show up and get you your <laughs> game hang with up a the smile phone. on my face. Yeah. Then I'd walk you, I'd take your hand, and I'd walk you to the cash register. I want to move on. Okay. <laughs> Except to say yeah. that this is week two of no coffee. How are you slobs doing? Of no caffeine coffee. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. Except to say that I... Actually, you know what? It, could everybody... Let's all rise for Judge Curtis. Yeah, We're gonna please do. We're going to call this court into order. You may all be seated. Uh, Judge Curtis... Overruled. No, hold on a second. So, um, I just have—I I just need you to make a quick betrayal ruling for me. Oh, oh please do. So, uh, now Marcus and I made a, an agreement together that we were both not going to drink any ca- uh, any coffee for a month's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you dispute the facts of this, Marcus Schwimmer? I do not. So let's just let the record show that he doesn't dispute the facts. We both agreed not to drink any coffee with caffeine for one month's time. And that on Saturday, the 11th of February, uh, you did, in fact, consume coffee with caffeine. And is this true or false? It is true. I consumed a quarter of a cup of coffee. Okay. Approximately how many ounces of coffee would you say? Two mouthfuls, whatever that That's about two to. ounces of coffee. So here's what, I'm, here's what I would like to know. Mm-hmm. To me, in my gut, this is telling me this is a uh, base betrayal, mm-hmm. like a gross betrayal. <laughs> Do you, can I get a ruling on this? I would. Can I defend myself? I don't really, I think you've admitted your crime. You ingested knowingly a caffeinated coffee beverage. Let me just say at this time, I am literally rolling around the floor of my bathroom, my cold bathroom floor, rolling back and forth, trying to ease the shakes of not having any coffee and thinking like, well, at least me and Marcus are in this together. Right. I just want that on the record (laughs) also. Covered in his own fecal Particulate. Uh, everywhere. Particulate everywhere. <laughs> Look, it was early. My girlfriend made me a cup of coffee. I woke up. 
I had two swigs. I realized my error. I'd like to indict Kerrigan, Marcus's girlfriend, also into this. Can Which, I do that also? Well, I think you can. Is she aware of she's your aware. situation? She's aware. And mm. brought the coffee but, anyway. But she, wow. she, she was aware after the fact. Okay, I rest oh. my case, Your Honor. I'd like a ruling, please. I think it's a, I'm going to call that a slight betrayal. No defense? I don't get a single defense. I say if you thrash yourself about the neck, face, and chest with a dozen long stem roses yeah. uh, 26 times, uh, you'll be fine. And we can move on with our lives. Hey, it's tough but fair. I just want to say about Judge Curtis's ruling that I thought it was tough but fair. It wasn't exactly what I was looking for, but uh, I do feel like justice was served. Yeah, I think it's bullshit. I was sleepy, and I think if we count the caffeine that I consumed versus the amount of caffeine that Nick is drinking, decaf coffee, which does have caffeine in it, that we're about even Stevens. Oh. Not even close, but that's a, that's a case for another day next time on Judge Curtis. Let's do some in the news. Okay. What do we got for in the news this week, Nick? ICV2 has an article. And if it wasn't for ICV2, also, I don't think we'd have a segment called In the News. I just want to point that <laughs> great out. Great website. Thank best. you, ICV2. It's a great Two. website. We credit them fully. So uh, they, ICV2 has an article about the border adjustment tax. Oh. Wait, don't go to sleep. Hold on a second. Listen, listen to me. ICV2 tax. I'm sorry. The ICV2 tax. <laughs> the border adjustment tax is currently making its way around Congress as an idea for, as part of tax return, or tax reform, rather. This isn't planet money, y'all. I'm not gonna get into the details of what the fucking border adjustment tax is, because I barely understand it. But the reason we're talking about it is that it could have a huge impact on the board game industry and the way that board games are priced and made. Because the upshot is that businesses that import stuff from outside of the country to then sell in the United States have to pay higher taxes on those items. Yes, much higher. Much higher, 20 to 35%, um, which is kind of nuts if you think about it. So um, there's all sorts of arguments for and against this tax on, like, on both sides of the aisle or whatever. That's politics. That we're, that we're not going to talk about that. What we are going to talk about is the fact that most board game companies, especially the ones that you like and care about, they all get their stuff printed overseas. So, yeah, and the, the part of it, the big part of it is right now, at least for us, board games are hauling this year. They had a great end fourth quarter for 2016. Mm-hmm. It started 2017. It seems the train is not stopping. Mm-hmm. It seems like we could have a just record-breaking year for board games. In 2016 as a whole, right, was a record year for board and card games, it correct? Was. It yes. was. And we, I think the train's not stopping. But if you have to increase the price of that product... By the amount that they're going to get taxed, because the companies aren't just going to absorb that cost. Oh, it'll be, be passed like, well, right onto the y- consumer. Right. Yeah. Our profits are going to be less. No, they're going to put it right onto that board game price. It could totally deflate the movement that's happening right now. Now, this is not something that's going to happen this year, probably. This is probably something that could, if it even happens at all, there's a lot of opposition to it. And there's, there's a lot of people for it. You know, there's, a, there's progressive and conservative arguments against kind of both sides of it. But it's probably not going to happen overnight. And we should also point out that there are some companies that um, already make a lot of their stuff in the country. Mayfair Games, for instance, Looney Labs, Skybound Games. Yeah. I don't know any games from Skybound. They do, uh, they do Card uh, Fight? No. Uh, yeah. The Superhero yes. Fight game. Yep, they do. Super Fight. Super Fight. There we go. There we go. So there are companies that this is not going to affect, and they are making their stuff in the United States, whatever. But your big boys, your Asmodays. Yeah. Fantasy Flight. 
Fantasy Flight, which is a subsidiary of Asmodee, the, and Asmodee owns everything else. So basically, right. we can just say Asmodee. They're make you know all that stuff gets printed yeah. overseas. I think the lesson is is that there's a chance that this could happen, and board games could get really expensive. And you know who's really all those retailers are going to suffer. I think brick and mortar retailers will suffer much more than everybody right. else because online retailers already cut the prices on a lot of that shit like sure. drastically sometimes. But now is the time. Bye bye bye. Okay. Because <laughs> we don't know these games can get fucking expensive. Do you want a game? <laughs> Buy now. Are you thinking about a game? Buy now. Or, the... or do some research and write your congressman. Yeah, just keep your eyes on this one because this is, you know, tax reform is a big God. issue for, you know, the new administration. Is that, can I say that? Is that what they are? Yeah, that's what they are. Um, so, yeah, this is the thing that will continue to be, to be discussed. What are you shaking your head at, Big you Papa? It's, it's 2017. This is the year of fear. Go with fear. You, you think we lead with fear? Game prices are going to go up. These games may not be available. Who knows if they're <laughs> going to get published and when they're going to get published. Everything's going to hell. Buy now. Buy now. Or, or you know, just do your thing. Make your best decisions shitting your pants with fear is my advice. That is, you do always say that. I do. I, I feel I make great choices when I'm scared shitless mm -hmm. and, or I'm crazy pissed off. It's time to make us some serious decisions right now. Now is the time. <laughs> I'm going to write my will. In other news, Jiro Taniguchi died on Saturday. Man. Around, oh, I, probably around the time that Marcus was betraying me, I was also reading in the news that uh, Jiro Taniguchi died. He's a veteran manga creator who debuted in 1970. You guys know Jiro Taniguchi? His big work is A Distant Neighborhood. Man, it's I've never read it. It's the, his artwork is so... Unbelievably stunning and meticulous. A Distant Neighborhood is a knockout. It's about a dude, like a dude in his middle age and life isn't really going the way that he wants and he's transported back to his, his body when he's like 12 years old, but he has the mind of, his, of being an adult. And it's a multi-volume series of like being able to re actually relive your life knowing how your life turns out and knowing what you know as an adult, but maybe as a stunted, flawed adult. Mm. It's really great. It's a really amazing series. And then The Walking Man is the other one that he got a oh, lot of yes. attention for. Um, I love Jiro Taniguchi. That was a bummer. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a good chance to think about his work and, and celebrate that dude's work for a while. I'm totally going to finally crack it and read A Distant Neighborhood. You would been, love that I've shit. I've been meaning to forever. It sounds like exactly my cup of tea. Yeah, you would really yeah. enjoy it. And finally, I have one more in the news. Do you guys have time? I have all the time. Yeah, do it. Do you guys, uh, there is a comic shop called Comics Dungeon, based out of Seattle. That is a, let me just stop you right there, that is a fabulous name you like for it? a store. Comic I didn't know, Dungeon? I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I'm still not sure how I feel about I'll, it. I'll mess with that. You like Comics Dungeon, mm -hmm. Marcus? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're going to call that a draw. Uh, well, regardless, they're not called Comics Dungeon anymore. They're reformatting and rebranding after 10 years in business. They're changing the name of the shop to Comics for Community, Compassion, and Culture, or C4C3. I, don't, I definitely don't like that. What's as much the C3 as... stand for, you're going to ask me? What, Nick? Uh, it stands for 501C3 because the shop is reformatting as oh. a nonprofit. Got How can it. We get on this train. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, the NFL's a, a nonprofit. 
And they're they're making they're bank. raking in the money. What? I want to I want to talk about C four C three though. I don't want to talk about the NFL. Okay, what's the angle? So the uh, the angle is that after ten years of essentially flat to declining sales is what I read in this press release in this article. Mm-hmm. Also from ICV two. Thank you, ICV two. Um, they are going to rededicate and refocus all of their energy to any profits that they make. They're donating to schools and libraries, and they're going to do more events kind of geared towards that. Everything about the shop is going to change its focus towards funneling money and attention to schools and libraries out of the Seattle area. What do you guys think about this? It sounds completely... Well, first, I love the idea of it. sounds mm-hmm. amazing. Yes. A bookstore or a comic store or a game store that's sole focus is getting people to read comics and really pushing that kind of reading and reading comprehension and the and, literary and aspect the literary aspect and the education aspect that's killer yeah i don't know how it works mm-hmm. it seems wild um it, it just blows my mind it just it, it's it's tough for me to to wrap my head around the idea of you know you run a business for 10 years and i guess part of it was and they're pretty frank about it in this article it's like there weren't a lot of profits to begin with maybe mm-hmm. Because, you know, sales are staying more or less flat, or at least they know what to expect with whatever profits they do get. Um, and uh, so this is just kind of a way of giving back, which is something that they were had a big focus on anyway. They did a lot of events along this vein in the first place. Yeah, and, you know, keeping the owner, you know, who was saying he didn't want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So that's neat and kill, can still be, he can do his job that he has passion for. Yep. All the employees really seem like they dug the, the gig and they can all stay. And mm-hmm. so... I guess it's a it's a way to you know way to keep, keep going. going absolutely yeah. rather than so, closing the doors. It's a neat. I never I've never heard of anything like this in a retail me neither uh, environment. So Marcus, you're neat. you're shaking your head and I just, sinking I, and sighing. I and, used to work for a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you know. Like, yeah, we're gonna give. You all mean all like of... when you were a linebacker for the NFL? Yes, exactly right. Um, I, yes, uh, but you know, as a nonprofit, you can say like, oh, well, we made this much. But I'm going to make the, I the head of this nonprofit. You can still pay yourself. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I'm not. I, I would like to read into it more. I'm not saying these people are doing bad things. I, sounds like you're saying they're doing bad things. It sounds like their heart's in the right place, and I love the idea of more comics in schools and more comics in libraries. Mm-hmm. But you think but there's something suspect? I think about I think, it. There's, you think something, there's something fishy about it. I think it, there's something you? fishy about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna start the scuttlebutt. Start the <laughs> the rumors now. I'm just you know like it, it's probably really really nice to continue to operate your business as you always have and not have to pay taxes anymore. Oh! Sounds good. Sounds good. Actually, that does sound pretty sweet. Right? Can we? Right? What do we? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, we're all going to make the same amount of money and we're going to keep all our staff and we're going to pay them all the same, but all of our profits are going to go towards this thing. We're not making any money. There hasn't been profit for 10 years, but we're sure as hell not going to pay taxes anymore because we're a non-profit. Yeah, it sounds pretty fucking sweet, my dude. I think they have to pay some stuff. <laughs> there's rules. I'm there's rules to being a 501c, right? You can't. There's there's oversight, right? There's just nobody less qualified to talk about that aspect of it than the three of us <laughs> right now. But Marcus has floated his uh, harebrained conspiracy theory mm-hmm. out into the internet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good for them. I think it's kind of neat. Kind of a cool way to keep the doors open. Well, yeah, interesting. Good on you, Comics Dungeon, for mixing it up. Yep. And uh, that's in the news. Good on you in the news. Thank you again to ICV2 News, who we've been reading for just decades. They're just and I, awesome. I don't know if we ever mentioned on this podcast that the guys who founded ICV2 were Capital City Distribution's head dudes. 
I didn't know way, that. Way, way back in the day. So way back in the yesteryear of 1996 when there was more than one comic distributor, mm-hmm. there was Diamond, and then there was Capital City. Mm-hmm. And Capital City got bought out, and they got absorbed into Diamond, and then the dudes, a couple of the, the main guys at Capital City, now are the main dudes at ICV2 News and have been since its inception. So pretty neat. I didn't know that. Yeah. What does ICV2 stand for? I was just going to ask that. Internal... Correspondence. Correspondence version two. There we go. I don't know if it's that's actually it, true. But. It's something like that though. Anywho, let's do some big big. Oh please! For as many distributors of comics as there used to be in the world, uh, that's how many comics come out every single week. But now there's only the one that you care about, and that was my big pick this week. <laughs> and then Marcus and Curtis also read some stuff. Let's and, uh, let's ask them about it, shall we? <laughs> let's do. You can, Marcus. What was your favorite comic for the week of February fifteenth? My favorite comic book for the, this week was Super Sons, number one from DC Comics. Um, we've had some build up for this book over the last couple months. Mm-hmm. The introduction of Jonathan Kent, aka Superman's son, Superboy, and Damian Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne's son, uh, from. Uh, Talia Al Ghul is the mama. Is the mama, mm-hmm. and they have been kind of doing their own things. A couple months ago, they met, and maybe didn't get along so well. But now they're both realizing that they're kind of in similar situations, and a friendship, an odd friendship, has emerged out of this. What is it? And thus, they are the Super Sons. I just never, within two panels of this book, I was like, well, I love it so Mark, much. This is Marcus's pick. I so mean, so Jonathan Ken is like the farm boy. He's yeah. he's super wholesome. He's a good boy. Yeah. He's raised by Superman, so he like loves everybody and he's gonna help people cross the street that need help. He's gonna pop umbrellas for people who are getting rain on him. He's just an all around, all American, awesome young kid. He's, he's a very good boy. He's a very good boy. Damian Wayne, on the other hand, is raised by assassins. He lives in a cave. He's a little prick. And he's a little prick, he's and he's so from worse. the big cities, from the mean streets mm-hmm. of Gotham City. So they're like totally different dudes. But when they come together, Uh they can really mess some stuff up. Yeah. Jonathan is on his way to school, and he's witnessing someone get bullied on the bus. He's not, he doesn't like it. So he stands up for that person. And we go on to find out that Damien is watching Jonathan in some really interesting ways to kind of evaluate him. Um but there's just a really beautiful scene. You gotta you get to see the different family dynamics between We, we can just spoil it because it is like the this is the one part of this book I really, really liked is Damian Wayne was the bus driver. Yeah. He dressed up as an old man in stilts. Yeah. And was the bus driver. It was hysterical. He's totally pulling a Bruce Wayne, right? He's like scoping out the Superman, the yeah. alien. What's like, the name uh, of the dude that Bruce Wayne would always pretend to be? It was like- Matches Malone. Matches Malone. He <laughs> yeah. pulled a Matches Malone. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's a really great scene uh, in this book where the Kents are all playing- some card game around the dinner table. And Jonathan is telling them, like, you know, this thing happened, and I wanted to use my powers. I used them a little bit. Uh, and he's kind of confessing to his parents. Um, and it's just a really beautiful family scene that kind of sets sets the tone for what the Kents are like. And, and the whole kind of thing with the Superman and, and Jonathan Kent and DC Rebirth is I find this version of Superman just miles more interesting than I punch my problems Superman. It gives the character depth. I think it's it, it He definitely it, still punches his problems though, right? He punches everyone. There's some well. punching. Yeah, there's yeah, some punching. Sure. But um you know uh, Clark Kent has something that he has to like take into consideration now, 
which is I have a son who I have to raise to be a decent human being because it looks like he's going to have the same powers that I have. It's a great book. It was funny. Uh, there was some great wit, some great surprises. But the bigger thing, was, oh yeah, there's a scene where Damien spooks Jonathan in bed. Like Jonathan's going to bed, and Damien is is wants to go on patrol, and so he scares Jonathan. Jonathan like stands up on his bed, and his eyes are just glowing red, and it's uncontrolled. He's like learning to control his powers. Damien, on the other hand, has been trained from literally birth to be a killer. They're just totally different characters, but when they come together, something really great happens. I love this book. I thought it was. It was fun. It was fresh. Um, I, I give it a big A+. Plus. I really like the dialogue. Um, I love the way the Kents talk. I love the way Lois talks. I just think they have great dialogue, very natural dialogue. I really, really dug it. Um, and there's a great um, uh, Dark Knight Returns tribute panel here where they're both swinging across uh, the city and there's a lightning bolt in the background. It's total Dark Knight Returns. Um, this book was a freaking blasto. <laughs> I've been waiting for it forever and it totally lived up to it, uh, to my expectations, so... I'll back you up there, Marcus. Curtis, you love Damian Wayne. I love Damian Wayne so much. Marcus, you love Jonathan Kent. I do. I think he's just the best. Maybe we're the Super Sons. I think you guys may be hard. For Halloween, we could just be a couple of old dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Dressed just like little kids. (laughs) Little kids, yeah. That's great. I love that. Wow. That's Super Sons. Uh, It's written by Tomasi. It's It's a winner. Peter Tomasi can just write so damn fine. He just wrapped up that House of Penance that we all liked a whole lot. That was Peter Tomasi. He does a bunch of sweet, sweet DC stuff. And uh, Jorge Jimenez uh, does the art. It's very beautiful. Super Sons. Mm -hmm. Super Sons from DC Comics. Number one. Hey, you picked a number one, buddy. I I did. You followed the rules. I followed the rules. We try to pick number ones on Super Skull for for you, the listener. Try to find out about some new stuff. Just a great jumping in point for you. Just a great jumping in point for you. And speaking of jumping in points, mm-hmm. Curtis. What? What was your big pick? Curtis, I, Curtis I, has a mountain of comics. I, want, yeah, I don't think Curtis, Curtis fucking gets it. I don't think he knows. What he's 128 episodes. I don't think he fucking gets it. No, what's your big pick? Well, I have these nine comics I in read front of me. 29 comics this week, and I need to talk about seven of them, okay? Fuck pick, off. Pick one, dog. All right, dude, I'm picking Sex Criminals number 16. Ooh, curveball. So dig this. It's the number 16. It goes. It flies in the face of our the number one thing we were just talking about moments ago. Yep. But dig this, it's the perfect jumping on point. Okay. Sex Criminals has been away from the comic book shop for like eight months. Is that true? It's been away for so long. April of last year was the last time a Sex Criminals issue came out. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. What's been the, what's the deal? They don't really waste uh, much time making excuses. They're like, yeah, we finished an issue and then didn't do any for a long time and now we're back. Okay. So wait, I don't know. They write a little thing about it in the beginning? They do. So, um, the saga continues is, uh, book four is what they call this, the saga continues, and this is, there's a five or six page, here's everything that's happened in Sex Criminals, right? Oh. But they do it- Quick synopsis. Quick synopsis, but they do it in a super funny way, where even if you've read it, it still adds some, some goodies to the mix. So you don't have to, you could never read any other Sex Criminals, start right here. For real? Really? I swear to goodness. It's a huge, fat issue, it's like 40 pages. The letter pages are back. Um, one of the best letter page sections in all of comic books. The it's name, like the name of the letter page is Letter Daddies. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. There's a sex tip on the top of every page of letters. Can you give us one? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> sex tip. Interested in anal play? And well, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else? <laughs> Um, so this comic is, uh, for those who don't know, it's about two people who can freeze time when they have an orgasm. 
Yes. And it's called sex criminals because they do crimes after they have sex and have an orgasm and freeze time. Yeah, this was the the premise of the first book is that we're going to have sex, freeze time, and rob a bank. Rob a bank because uh, one of them works at a library and they're going to shut down the library. So they're going to steal all the money and save the library. Yes. Um, it's a blast. Eventually, sex cops get involved. Um, one of them's name is Kegel Face, which is completely hilarious. Yeah. Um, her real name is Myrtle Spurge, which is also <laughs> fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, and these guys are like clad in like white rubber. And now the sex police, the sex cops are, they can also freeze time. Yes. And they are somehow like monitoring other people that have this ability. Yes, there are more of them in the world. It's not just these two folks. Yeah. They can move in the quiet, as they call it, the frozen spot between orgasms. Mm -hmm. May I ask a question? Yo, please. So these two people are uh, engaged in the action of lovemaking. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if they both climax at the same time, is the time freeze longer? So the time freeze lasted until one until you become aroused again. Aha! That's how that time that that's how time becomes unfrozen. If I remember from the very that early sounds right. Of that book. Interesting. You could totally do it on your own. That's not something they have to do together. They both developed. They discovered alone, young as younger people that they could have this special power. So there's no benefit to trying to climax at the same time. Oh, you have to because then they can hang out together in the in the quiet. So oh, so if they don't both climax at the same time, only one of them enters the quiet. Exactly. Correct. You've already spent more time thinking about this power though than the creators of this book have. What's really cool though is one of if one of them um, um, does their business and the other doesn't, then there's some gags are played. Like yes. they'll dress the other up in like a super weird like Teletubbies outfit or right. whatever. Well. <laughs> While they're moving around in the quiet. Yeah. It's, um, but mostly it's don't think about it too much. Yeah. I see. Yeah, it's mostly about people and relationships and goals and uh, keeping that feeling of, you know, being a love, being a young couple. It's funny as shit. Uh, this is a great comic book. I forgot how much I missed this comic. Um, I didn't realize that it had been that long since I'd read an issue of Sex Criminals. Um, and I'm happy as hell that it's back. Every episode is so like dense and packed with dialogue and moving the shit forward. And it's a great book. I'm so, glad it's back. I it, remember when I first started working for Vault of Midnight, it was like one of the the most requested books for our subscribers. When it first came out, yeah. it was hot fire. And yep. now it's, you know, I think we dropped just just a few of them. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, you, you take a, whatever, an eight, ten month break, you know, you might lose some of your... Yeah, what do you mean by that, Marcus? We dropped just a few of them. Oh, so normally people who have subscriptions with us will request books and we will drop them into bins for them. Yeah, this is... reserved just... for them. So number of subscribers is right. lower than it used to be, you're saying? Way lower. Like, yeah. incredibly lower. Yeah, I was shocked when we dropped the amount that we did. Yep. 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 That'll happen. Um, and this book is Matt Fraction, who's a store favorite. Guy writes a billion... Million comic books, um, and Chip Zdarsky, who writes a million things. So, Sex Criminals, this is number 16. It's back. It's a big old fatty. It is uh, four bucks. Here's the thing about this comic, though. You're getting 50 pages of, of entertainment for four clams. Mm. Do it. And then it's got dildos. It's got orgasms. Well, not literally. Not actual. Right. Right. So, that's my big pick. Sex Criminals, number 16. Yeah, and can I tell you guys just about a few other ones real yeah, fast? Yeah, we knew you were gonna, so yeah. So God Country, um, number one, second printing's out today, dudes, uh, to go along with number two today. God Country is about a family that moves out into the country, and the father has Alzheimer's disease, and he gets a magic sword that cures him and turns him into a basically a demigod with a sentient sword, 
and he's fighting creatures from another dimension. This book has great, 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 great art, and it's a super fun, fun book. I, the best cover of the week maybe is the second printing of God Country number one. It's just red and white, the old man ho- holding the sword. Second issue is no slouch either on the cover. Give this book a look. This is one of my favorite new image launches of recent memory to fans of like maybe Rumble or uh, mm-hmm. Mike Mignola's stuff because it's got just a whiff of sweet supernatural. You know what? I missed that. And I'm going to read it on your recommendation. This is a stellar little book. I loved it so much. Um, we're going to talk about real quick Batwoman Rebirth number one just because we have to. Oh, you're going to keep going. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. And this is... Um... Sorry, you're going to say something, Marcus? It, it's disappointing. Was that the word you were going to use? No. Because it was pretty disappointing. I've been looking forward to that book. I've been reading Detective Comics. Curtis is, is bottling I, I, his fury I know. right now. Yeah. No, this like, is we, a light no, betrayal. No, 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 because like, we, we're, we were on the same page. We were both reading Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. We both were super pumped for the launch of this Batwoman book. And all they do in this is recap her character history. That's all they do. Oh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Oh, I thought it was such a bummer. I, I love the recap. I love the big splash pages. The art is incredible. It's Steve Epting, his first DC work in years and years. Art was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So besides besides that, this new Batwoman book, it was recap though. It's all recap, but it was done narratively. There was a lot of narrative stuff going on, but it, it wasn't it wasn't walls of text telling you everything that's happened to Batwoman. It was mm. done in narrative. Yeah, I think this is a great spot for someone who might have liked that um, really really nice new Fifty Two Batwoman run to jump back in if they haven't Which been around for a while. Yep. Yeah, it was really nice. And Warren Ellis comes back to DC in a book called Wildstorm Number One. People might remember from back in the day, uh, Warren Ellis did some really neat shit at DC Comics, Stormwatch and The Authority. And these are two books that kind of like kickstarted the whole Mark Millar superhero style. There'd be no probably Ultimates without Warren Ellis over at DC in those days. Um, so he, he just did that kind of grittier, new superhero fang. Um, and this is him rebooting the Jim Lee Wildstorm universe in a comic book. So this has got Zealot and Cabot and all these old Wildstorm characters that you don't need to know anything about. Oh, it's totally jump-inable. Yeah, this is a neat book. I really like the art. This guy, John Davis Hunt, has this really nice kind of, I don't know, sketchy style. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's clean, but it's got lots of detail. Um, good color palette. I really, really enjoyed it. So say what you want about Warren Ellis, but those everybody wrote comics like Warren Ellis for five years after Warren Ellis hit the scene. Absolutely. Everybody wanted to be Warren Ellis that was writing comics for a really, really long time. And it reads, Wildstorm reads exactly like a Warren Ellis comic. It was interesting though, cause like I, you, I. You are not a fan. I love jumping on a Warren Ellis hate train. I feel at home there. Yeah. I like, I got a lot of train references today. I don't know, I'm in a trainee mood, I guess. Okay. I liked Wildstorm quite a bit. Oh, good. I thought the dialogue was really sharp. Uh, I thought they kind of led you along and kept you interested and the characters seemed believable mm-hmm. and something really weird and crazy happens, but kind of in the universe that it's set up, it all flowed really beautifully. My my thing with Warren Ellis is sometimes I feel like his, his flow is a little choppy, but this book I thought flowed just beautifully. And, you know, Warren Ellis sometimes will take a couple issues to, to get me interested, but this one there was just a really nice, good dynamic hook right in the first first little chunk. See, I think you've poisoned my mind a little bit. I like this book. I thought it was good. I'm going to read every Warren Ellis book that comes out until the end of time. I will always read. And I will read every single issue of it. That dude like helped like really dig me into comics. How Look, did I poison your mind? I love Warren Ellis. But I do, after listening to you bitch about Warren Ellis as many times as I have. Yeah. I mean, It's like a lot of times. It's a lot of times. And I definitely like, 
I mean, there's another interrogation scene in this book. There's an interrogation scene in almost every Warren Ellis book of the past. Uh, the past, like, eight books that he's written, I feel like. Tree, sure. Trees. Yeah. Uh, interrogation scene. Injection. Yeah. Like, nine interrogation yeah. scenes. Uh, when he did, uh, um, what's the one he's doing for Marvel? Uh, Karnak. Karnak. Mm-hmm. Interrogation scene. I mean, yeah. there's just, it, he's he's got his thing. He's got a thing, and he's definitely doing that sort of military, industrial, espionage, modern superhero. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. And he always has been. Uh, yeah. No, and that's the thing. He's always been a shit. Yep. But- Sprinkled in between there, there would be some really good lines of dialogue. You yeah. know, he's trying to keep things moving. The difference between all those other books I just listed and this one is this one was enjoyable. Oh, oh brother. Oh boy. He can really do an action scene, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he can give you that really nice, I don't know what's a good example, like a Jason Bourne action scene where you, you, you've seen car chases before, but he'll bring something new to a car chase. Yes. He'll, he'll do something different that you haven't seen in a, in a standard action scene. So, Absolutely. Fucking love it. So, All right, man, that was a lot of pictures. That was my pile of shit. Well, I mean, there's so many good comics this week. Surely that has to be the end of it. There can't possibly be any more comics. I, I just have one left. Fuck me. What do you got? I got a giant monster of a book. It's like 400 pages long, dude. <laughs> All right, settle in. I only read uh, the first like 50 pages of this thing. It's called My Favorite Thing is Monsters. It's from uh, Emil Ferris, who I am not familiar with. Um... Previous to this work, uh, this is a opus that's taken five years to create. We were supposed to get it in America, in the Americas, about three, four months ago, but it got held up at customs. Some crazy thing. We ordered book, it. It got canceled. The book we, was too heavy. It was too heavy. It's too big. It's too sweet. Um, this is a story about a young girl who maybe thinks she's a werewolf, and maybe she doesn't think she's an actual werewolf, but maybe, as you do when you're a young teen, think you're a monster. And this weaves in and out her her fantasy of being a monster and being perceived as a monster and her love for actual monsters and her total obsession with Halloween and also how much she hates Valentine's Day because there's no monsters involved with Valentine's Day. So it weaves in and out of her story uh, about herself or her, her thoughts about herself and then her actual life. Mm. And it is cool as shit. I mean, it's got movie posters, then it weaves into her dreams, it weaves into her in school, and it kind of does this dance between reality and fantasy that is easy to follow, um, but unlike anything I've really fucked with in recent memory. I'm excited about it. It seems very on brand for me. Oh, uh, Nick, you will fuck with this hard. The art is like this, it's like done basically on faux lined paper, Mm -hmm. and it's done with pencil and like ballpoint pen, but it's meticulously detailed. I mean, there's just like some photorealistic stuff in here. Uh, It's fabulous. It's incredibly dense. I mean, 50 pages took me an hour and a half, Mm -hmm. because you're just pouring over. It's very dense text. There's really, really gorgeously illustrated Big pieces of art and then tiny little pieces of art all over each page. It, it's a stunner. Um, and I've been waiting for it. The buzz about this book has been incredible. Some early copies got into reviewers' hands the end of last year, so I've been reading all about it. It was on a ton of end-of-year lists. So I'm happy it's here. Book one. Book one. Yeah, is there more? I don't know. My favorite thing is monsters. Yeah, and that's Fanographic Books. That's Emil Ferris. Uh, man, give it a look. All right. It's wild. Think, I think that's. I don't think there's anything. there are any more comics. I read every comic. I Nick, think that's pretty much all of them. No, you have one. Did you read all the comics? We need. Do, are we not giving you enough stuff to do? Yeah, you, you just read so many comics <laughs> you yesterday. So much free time. I, Jeez. I decided not to do any real work yesterday and only read comics. 
Oh, it's nice for you. Yeah. My yeah. favorite thing is monsters mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. We'll recall it later. I'm going to talk really just very briefly about my pick, which is Doctor Strange, the monster, number one dot MU. I love it. It's I, number one, baby. Number one dot MU means it's a crossover with Monsters Unleashed. That's right. Can Sorry. Can you just imagine what the price guide, this is only maybe interesting for me. But when we have to look books up in the price guide, they're all listed by title and number. Mm. What a clusterfuck next year is going to be with Marvel because they have so many number ones. So they like, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange number one, Doctor Strange number one N for now. Oh, just the last decade. Because oh. everything's a number yeah. one for it's, 10 years. <laughs> it's good. It's a now. It's an all This year now, in particular, now, though. Now. Yeah. And the point ones? Point ones. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, they've been doing up to point fives now for the minis, so it's right. point one, point two, point three, point five. Good luck with that shit. Yeah. Anywho. My, my pick was Doctor Strange, uh, Monsters Unleashed. Uh, Doctor Strange has been really, really good. Jason Aaron's been writing it. Uh, this is not by Jason Aaron. This is by Chip Zdarsky and Julian Lopez. But it's playing off of the Jason Aaron shit whereby all the magic in the world has been sucked out by the Empirical. Uh, They attacked the Earth and got rid of all the magic in the world. They hate magic. They hate magic. And Doctor Strange is trying to help with this crazy thing that's going on right now, which is that monsters have been unleashed and are uh, running ramshot over the whole globe. You're saying a bunch of monsters have been unleashed in this giant crossover called Monsters Unleashed? That's exactly what it is. Shit! No, I get it now. I get it. There's monsters unleashed everywhere. Just got it. So he's trying to figure out how to do a little bit of do a little bit of magic when there's no magic in the world. He's like relying more on talismans and he's got to go back to hit the books. He doesn't just have like this well of magic that he can summon from within and shoot crazy blasts out of his hands anymore. He has to like really work for every tiny ounce of magic that he has. And in the middle of this giant battle with one of these monsters that have been unleashed he releases a spell that instead of getting rid of the monster or killing the monster or destroying it it just moves it somewhere and this really bums him out because he didn't solve the problem he just panicked and threw a spell out and he didn't really know what was going to happen or where he was sending the monster so he goes on a quest to go find the monster that he failed to destroy he's got to go travel with him I, I thought that was a neat, neat aspect of this book yeah. is that Doctor Strange is really bummed out about just his mag- the state of magic. Yeah, he can't really be in the Justice League because he's just a dude otherwise, and he just doesn't have his shit together anymore, and he's trying to figure it out. But can we talk about the real star of this comic? The real star of this comic was Gugam. Who is Gugam? What is Gugam? Oh, I'd love to tell you. <laughs> so Gugam. <laughs> oh, I love Gugam. I was not super well versed in Gugam. Were, were you guys aware of Gugam before you read this? I'd seen Gugam. Yeah. Yes. I did not know his name was Gugam. I re- I, I've seen the character before. Yep, he's or old school. Dad, you've seen his dad probably more likely than him. Yes, Gugam is the son of Goom. The son of Goom! And you know this because Gugam will remind you all of the time that he is the son of Goom. And what does he look like? He looks like a big, he's a big monster, he's about eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. He's got a head like a ping pong ball. It's just like a round head yep. with like a slice cut out of it and a big goofy mouth. With no teeth. Just he's, a big old mouth. With no teeth. He's got arms and legs but he also kind of has bat wings mm-hmm. but they're like webbed between the arm they're and side. They're little tiny guys. I say yeah. imagine imagine the thing but put a round head a round big ass round, big head. Ass round head on him. 
he really is like a Teletubby. Yeah. With no top thing and wing arms. And he's red as hell. And he's, he's red yeah, as hell. He's like a... And he is trying to he he wants to take over the earth. Maybe he wants to enslave humanity, but only slightly, just a little bit. And he's trying to live up to the live up to his dad. Goom. Destroyer of Worlds. Destroyer of Worlds. So expectations are a little high. Saying it's a lot of pressure. So Gugam was originally, he's, he was from the Planet X. His first, when did he first appear? 1961. And Goom invades the Earth, right? And he hides Gugam in a cave. And a young boy discovers him in the cave. And Gugam follows the boy back to his house. And... But at some point, Gugam is just a shit show. Like, he's just ruining everything. And he's he a monster. To, he's a monster. He wants to destroy the world, but he's, like, sentient, but he's kind of a dick. So the boy challenges him to a game of tag, and the and in that game of tag, of course, Gugam is, is going to accept because he will not be outdone, right? By a human. No, hell no. Human. So the boy leads Gugam into a pit of quicksand, and then he drowns. <gasps> 1961 comics, man. Gugam, no. That He's is, so adorable. That's hard as nails. It's kind of hard as fuck. Yeah. Well, you're reading that comic, and you're probably like, as you're reading the comic, you're a kid. You're reading that comic, you're like, yeah, fuck. Fuck this guy, man. Get him out of here. He's trashing the house. Yeah, kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's dead. He's dead? I didn't want him to die. Well, that seems extreme. <laughs> I just wanted him out. But he survives. Don't worry about it. Oh, good. Uh, he has uh, many, many adventures. Uh, at one point, he gets a job at the Baxter Building. He's a guest on the David Letterman show. At one point, um, he tries his hand at script writing. Who who doesn't? Um, and uh, right now, he's a part of the Monsters Unleashed uh, storyline. He's just so cute. He's so adorable. I want to take him home and just have him as a pet. He's just so goddamn petulant, though. He's just so Gugam and Doctor Strange get teamed up because Gugam is gonna just, is gonna kill this monster, and then Doctor Strange zaps him out of there. So this is unacceptable to Gugam's honor, right? So he goes to Doctor Strange's house, and uh, when he gets met at the door by Wong, then you know he's like, "Well, follow me. I'll bring you to the third floor." And Gugam follows no man. <laughs> I just love it so much. He's I wearing love a it. stupid little hat. I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, he's wearing a trench coat and a hat, which Marvel just loves to put giant monsters in trench coats and tiny hats. Yeah. They love that shit. It's amazing how many monsters end up working in the Baxter building. Yeah. He works in the Baxter building. Fing Fing Foom works in the Baxter building. Equal opportunity employee. Did Godzilla yeah. work at the Baxter building at one point? I know he got shrunk down and wore a trench coat and a hat. He did. But... He was a private investigator. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Dr. Strange. Number one, dot M-U. Is it jump inable? I don't think it is. I think, I think you're going to want to at least be reading a little Dr. Strange mm-hmm. and probably... N- at least be aware that monsters have been unleashed. I don't know, just let Gugam into your life. It's great. Let Gugam into your heart. It's really, really good. I, I loved it. And I, read Doctor Strange from Jason Aaron. That's Mon- true. The whole Monsters Unleashed thing has just been a ton of fun. I will say the third issue was also this week, and it was totally excellent. It was a blast. I loved it. Yeah, there was tons of monsters. They were unleashed. There was a bunch of other monsters. They were unleashed on those monsters. Seems rock solid. Spider-Man in this book was also hilarious. I got to throw it out there real quick. Spider-Man makes a cameo for several pages, and he's hilarious. He just stands on the side of a building, like sideways, like sticking straight off the building. Yeah, perpendicular to the building. Yeah, calling Doctor Strange on his cell phone. That shit's funny. Anywho. Shit was cool. Yeah. That was a long-ass big pick section. Well, when Curtis picks half the library. Curtis talked for fully 20 minutes. I could have kept going. We know. 
But I, our big picks this week were Super Sons, number one, from DC Comics, Doctor Strange, number one, point MU, and Curtis picked everything else. But mostly Sex Criminals, number 16. Mostly Sex Criminals, number 16. And it's a fatty, and you can jump right in there. <laughs> cool. Let's uh, move on, if we may, to the board game corner. Oh, let's saunter over, shall we? My potpourri dried out, guys. I'm so sorry. Well, now what are we going to do? Well, I what bought- What am I going to eat now? I bought one of those car dangles. What's a car dangle? You know, you put them, you hang them over your mirror. You mean they, like those they, truck balls? The little air fresheners. Yep. I got a uh, pina colada sunset. I hope you all are enjoying it. Mm. Lovely. It's a little cloying. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. Uh, if, you know, Let me just light up this blunt <laughs> to mask the scent of pina colada. Here's the thing. Artificial pina colada in a small enclosed place. Yeah, not cool. Oh, I thought we could just, you know, you know, listen to some Jimmy Buffett and get in the mood. Look, I don't listen to Jimmy Buffett. I listen to Coconut Pete, there's, okay? There's nothing, it's a huge difference. Nothing goes with dungeon crawling board games like pina coladas and Jimmy Buffett. Coconut Pete. And that's my Did final say on that. Did you make up this person? No, coconut he Pete? just you you just bit his bait. <laughs> he wanted you to ask him about coconut Pete, and now we got to talk about coconut Pete. We don't. It's fine. We can move on. We'll talk about co- coconut Pete on a separate podcast. Stay tuned for a special edition Super Skull Show where we talk exclusively your, your fan podcast about parody <laughs> artists. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in, in film, Pina Colotteberg is number one hit. So we played a board game. Oh, we did. It was so good. Oh, it was like a full day of board gaming. It was amazing. What was it? We played Descent, Journey into the Dark. No, two, second edition. Second edition. Um, Tell me about it. So Descent, what's really cool, Descent's an older game. It's been out, how long has Descent Man, for so long. Quite a while. Yeah, 10 years. Part of this revival that Fantasy Flight is doing with games... Paired with apps. Mm-hmm. Not apples. You know, you're thinking like, oh, you buy the game, you get an apple. I was no, thinking like an appetizer. Like, Yeah, games, but paired with a digital app. So, Like a picture of a Bloomin' Onion. It, always back to Outback with you. Well, it is Walkabout Wednesdays. Happy so. Walkabout Wednesday, by the way. I don't mean to interrupt. So Descent at its core is a dungeon crawler. Just a straight up, yep. pick a character, get a squad, Go in the dungeon, whoop some ass, kick open doors, get some gold, go back to town, buy some shit. Can I ask a question? Yes. I remember, sorry, you guys both turned to me at the same time, and it was very, really very cute. So, uh, I and now you're both just staring at me so handsome, and I can't concentrate. Stop it, you two! <laughs> this is why we should do this over Skype. So, for real, though, I played Descent a very long time ago, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking it was cool, and it didn't. It doesn't. It didn't hit the table a lot after that because it's kind of a pain to play. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of setup. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of upkeep. There's a lot of things to keep track of. And if you do any of it wrong, then you fucked up. It's a ton of stuff. It's a big, big game. It fills a void. It really does. It you know you. It's it's a dungeon crawling ass game. And in with the app, it fills a void even more. Do you want to play Dungeons and Dragons but don't have a dungeon master? Well, this is about as close as you can possibly get. And Descent needed a dungeon master type character, you, did and it not? Th- that's what sucked about it. Uh huh. Is that someone would end up running the monsters, and that's never any fun. Yeah. So now the app kind of runs the monsters. It'll track some stuff for you. It'll let you know when they're going to go. 
But what's great about it is like we played for what six hours together. Yeah, so many hours. It's great. Mm-hmm. So in that time, I like got to know my character. We went on a plot quest. Mm-hmm. We got out of that plot quest, and it was like, "Yo, bros," and we were like, "Hey, app." It was like you can go to town and sell your stuff and buy new gear. You can go on these side quests and maybe get some other stuff, or you can just go straight to the the next plot storyline. And we did two side quests, and it was just a full day of gaming, and I never once was stressed out about, like, you know, oh, we got to set the board. It tells you, like, you need these pieces for this adventure. They get connected like this. I mean, the app just makes the game so fresh and playable and enjoyable. It was great. So, well, it, so paint a picture for me, though. Mm-hmm. So you are heroes. Yes. You, uh, there is a there is an evil in the world. M- many. So many. there's different towns. There's different bad guys. Uh-huh. There's... Larger bosses, there's, you know, you'll be on the road. Like, we would go, we went on a side quest, and we had a couple encounters on the road to get to the side quest, which are randomized and can be named monsters or just a band of miscellaneous, you know, kobolds or something. Or it can be a thing where it's like, what do you do? Do you do this or this? You click one of them, it's like, oh, you also happen to have, because it knows what characters you have in your party, you have a alchemist, so they can heal this person. You get fame points. It is so close to D anD. d It's uncanny. Much different than it's the very different that I remember. It is different. So it adds. So in Descent, they added after probably the games that we played this overworld thing. So as oh. you secure locations and complete quests, it changes the kind of the whole big map. You now have access. There to is a big map. There's now. a big map now. Right, and so every dungeon, every adventure you do is in a place in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that this app does, there's so many parts, right, to this game. There's minis, there's tiles, there's doors, there's tokens, there's baubles, there's dice, there's, and I have all these expansions, right? Oh, you have all of them. And you plug them all into this app, and this thing juggles all the pieces and takes all that shit out of your brain. And so it knows what cards you have, what figures you have, and it says, "Hey, just go get this. Trust me, you have it." Yep. Go get this. It's going to work really well with this other thing you have. Absolutely. It was great. So can you guys sell me on why do I want to play? What separates this from just a, a dungeon crawler in general? Why would I want to play this instead of playing D&D? But even D&D might be too much for some people. But mm-hmm. if, if the if the idea of like the fantasy dungeon crawl thing seems a little done to death, what does this bring into the table? The aspect of taking out the person who has to play the bad guys mm-hmm. makes the game great. It's really the only dungeon crawler that does this. At this point, it is the only one that does. I can't think of a saying on a, yeah. Me neither. Mm-mm. So what will happen is... The problem with an all V1, and I talked about this a little bit when I talked about the game last Friday, is all of the well, the whole party is trying to beat up on this one person who's not really having fun. Because if you kill a hero, you're an asshole. Right? If you kill someone's character, you're a dick. So now they're like trying to balance other people having fun and playing the game correctly and making sure everyone knows what's going the on. The dungeon master, you're saying. The, the dungeon master, but it's of the game, the yeah. bad guy. All the other dungeon crawlers do this. When you remove that, it's just fresh and light and enjoyable. And what I would dare say uh, that I like about it compared to D&D is uh, in, in the same vein. Like being a dungeon master is kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. Sure. It's a lot like, of things to keep track it's of. Two hour, it's two to three hours for every hour of gameplay is the equation that's commonly used. And now, of setup, of and, setup yep. and planning and mm-hmm. dice rolling and making up ideas. With Descent, it's 20 minutes. We want to do this adventure Great, you need these tiles and these monsters. Which heroes are you playing? What do you buy? And you're off. Mm-hmm. That is a beautiful thing. 
Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I haven't been that dungeoned out in a minute. Um, yeah, I wore my jams all day. We got <laughs> carry out. I didn't leave the house one time. Yeah. It was old school dungeon crawl. Yeah, we got um, Chinese food delivered. It was outstanding. So I, I would say, yeah, I mean, uh, I can't think of another. I, this is the only dungeon crawler I'll really play. Yeah. I can't think of another game that I would I would go to. The minis are super high quality. All the components, the dungeon tiles are, it's a fantasy flight game. Mm-hmm. So everything is super high budget and nice. Um, so you say that. But, so the part of this app expansion thing Fantasy Flight is doing is they first came out with Mansions of Madness, which took a game that was essentially dead and, and gave it a breath of fresh life. It has an app that runs the monsters and stuff like that. We've been playing the heck out of that. It's glorious. They've done Descent mm-hmm. now. And the next one is Star Wars Imperial Assault, which while it is Star Wars themed, I would argue is absolutely a dungeon crawler. It, it runs on a modified kind of Descent play style. Definitely. Same, and we're, same engine or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Same core rules. And we're going to play the shit out of that. We're already talking about it. So we ran two games of Imperial Assault uh, a couple of days ago, and it has the same thing. It's got this great overworld mechanic. It's got a great storyline mechanic. Whether you win or lose quests or even how you perform on a quest changes what your next quest is going to be. So you don't totally lose um, and you can, there's scales of winning that change the outcome and, and determine what your next story adventure is going to be. That's a really neat game. I'm excited to see what the app adds to that game. Um, but another Fantasy Flight app based thing um, coming soon. I even had, can I say this because Nick's here? Ooh. I, I haven't, the, the amount of fun to amount of setup and work. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've met that beautiful quota in a long time oh. as I have with Descent. I literally came in, we built the board, and we sat down and we played. Now that said, me and Chad did spend two hours going through fifty character cards, but not nece- mm-hmm. not necessarily because you had to, because you want. We could have opened those boxes That's and true. just gone. You're right, absolutely. The, the mm-hmm. work that you have to put in to play a really rich, great story. Beautiful dungeon crawler, D and D esque. It's it's so close to being Dungeons and Dragons. It's kind of eerie. It's it makes me worry that Wizards of the Coast better figure their shit out. Wizards of the Coast being the people who make Dungeons and Dragons, because this game you can level up your character and you can unlock special abilities and they there are boons and negatives to having them into your party. It's so it takes a lot of the good shit out of D and D and makes it very very streamlined. Yeah, if they, they do have some flavor text and some good sound effects. So if you play this thing with a speaker, you got some good sound to go with your adventure. Ambient sound. But if they up the sound and they up the flavor text just a little bit, that's it's almost it's almost totally there yeah. and re- could replace uh, some other shit. On it. So it's great. Yep. It's a pricey game. But... It, oh yeah, no, you're, it's an eighty dollar game. It's yep. no joke. So. And it sounds like I'll see you in court again because that sounded like another betrayal. So we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll send you a summons. I'll see you in. Are you gonna ask us some questions? I'll see you in Judge Curtis's court. I'm gonna ask you guys some questions about descent very, very, very quickly. Okay. Uh, could you play this game with your grandma? Probably not. No. Would is it worth the money? How much does this game cost? Eighty clams. I think it's totally worth the the coins. You're, you're playing this with a crew, so maybe it's an everybody throws on it. It's the, worth it if the app can keep generating fresh content with the pieces that you have. I think you're going to get four plays out of this box, no prob. Four plays? Four for, plays. For 80 bucks. 80 bucks, but that's four players. Four players. 
So when you say plays, you're not, you, four plays. you don't mean four plays. I mean you you'll play a whole game. You'll you'll open up this box and play a whole game of descent four times. Now if you went through the whole campaign, oh shit, you got a you got meat. You got t- a dozen plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think once I'm very invested in my character. I think I think it's very easy to get this going and make this your weekly game night for two months and get a good eight plays mm-hmm, out of it. Mm-hmm. Would I Nick like it? Yes, I think you would like it because it would give you a break from being the rule guy. Oh, that does sound appealing. And, and if you played with us, you'd love it. You're always the rule book guy, and I appreciate that. It's a role that needs to be had, but in this game, we don't need you to be the rule book guy. That's really cool. That's re- that is really cool. Yeah. What, and what's the fourth question? I never remember the fourth question. Are you are you bored? Were you ever bored? Were you guys ever bored? I was shitting myself for most of it because we were on the cusp of dying the whole time. Were you waiting for somebody's turn or were you waiting to set something up? No. So the turn structure is anybody can go whenever they want and you can kind of split it up. Oh, that's nice. So it's nice. So you're all collectively like, shit, what are we going to do? And it was pretty difficult, the quest we were taking. So we were always right on the cliff of getting our asses handed to us permanently. And I would say like the board setup could be tedious and could be boring, but the sessions are so long that usually everyone else is trying to go to the bathroom. But you're tucking in for that anyway. Yeah. You're ready to, when you're playing Descent, you're ready to. You are absolutely tucking in for that game. Yeah. Excellent. That's Descent from Fantasy Flight Games, second edition. Thank you for the review, you guys. Buy now before it's $120. I learned so much about it. What, do you, what does that mean? Because of the tariff. Buy now. Oh, our producer and editor is Rachel Polk, and that's going to do it for us today. Our music was created by A-Bomb. Super Skull is recorded every week at the Ann Arbor District Library. Please subscribe and also download. And we need the reviews on the Super Skull Show on the iTunes. I was checking our reviews the other day. Yeah. And somebody wrote a review, and they gave us each nicknames. Okay. And they gave me the nickname... Nick ostensibly Y-Bar, because apparently I say that word a lot. Nice. What was my nickname? Do you remember? I I couldn't care less. I I, I stopped reading immediately. Curtis, old man Sullivan. No, you guys both had something like really cute and charming, and mine was ostensibly. (laughs) It's perfect. You're a scholar, Nick. You're a scholar. Why didn't you guys tell me I say that word so much? Uh, Also, please check us out on the internet. You can check us out on our website and Twitter. Super Skull Show is how you find us. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcast since 1996. My name is Nick Weibar. I'm Marcus Schwimmer. And I'm Curtis Sullivan. And we wish you very good reading until next week. Which is just a great website that basically allows us <coughs> to, to do this segment. I'm good. <coughs> you okay, buddy? Can I do one minute? You want to... What is happening? <coughs> Did you swallow your chew ball? No, that happened earlier today. You <coughs> swallowed a chew ball, dude? I didn't swallow a full chew ball. I had a little bit dripped on the back of my throat. I started gagging. Nick's making a big deal out of it.